right, we are back for part two of the overlap on this week's episode, talking a little bit of La Liga from match day seven. And man, I know a lot of people don't watch La Liga, but this weekend was literally like one of the reasons why I love this league so much, right? We had the Madrid Derby, and of course the title of, of these podcasts is Two Derbies, Two Naps, but outside of the Derby, this was an like incredibly important weekend for La Liga games, and I I just want to go over a couple of the scores from from this past weekend, so I'll go through the scores, and we'll talk a little bit briefly about, at a high level, some of these games. So, Villarreal beating out Real Betis after not starting the season so well. Um, Villarreal scoring kind of two goals in injury time. That didn't really mean too much, um, but they did score 5-1. The game finished, and it was very impressive um, for for that team. For Santi Cazorla's, of course, the GOAT, um, his side and Valencia handing the first loss of the season to Bilbao in the Basque country at San Mamez, which is a very difficult place to go. Um, and Valencia beating them out one nil Barcelona, of course, beating Hitafe away two nil, um, on a Suarez goal and a junior Firpo goal. And of course the Madrid Derby finishing nil nil and, Wrapping up the most exciting game from this past weekend, Sevilla 3, Real Sociedad 2, and we'll talk about that game in just a little bit. But uh, why don't we why don't we start with with the big or maybe I should say in quotes, quote unquote, big game from the weekend, um, the Madrid Derby. Rian, I, I personally went to a, a Real Madrid bar for that, and it was really, really fun being there. I know I was in enemy territory, but... I would highly recommend going to any bars or any fan organizations that you might be around uh, just because it's just a it's just a ton of fun to meet people to watch the game in that sort of fun atmosphere. It was a really, really good time. Granted, the game was super boring and I nearly fell asleep during it. Um, But what did you what did you make of these two sides? It's funny you say that because I literally fell asleep in the second half. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I had to go back. Wait, are you dead ass? I had to go back and rewatch the highlights of the second half. I watched the full <laughs> second, first half, and um, I think like the literally the first five minutes of the second half, I just dozed off and then fell asleep. Uh, so I had to go rewatch the second half. But um Okay. Yeah. Very cagey. It was. It was very odd to see, especially first half. Um, bit of a role reversal. We saw Real Madrid's best chances coming on a counter attack, and um, Madrid. Sorry, Atletico Madrid um, controlling a lot of the possession. So that was very odd to see for sure. That was. Um, that was new, <laughs> uh, and, and and I know it, you know we saw again Real Madrid have a tough time creating chances. You know, uh, very tough time creating chances from their midfield. So that's I think I feel like that's still a problem for them. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about Hazard, but you know, he just looks out of shape. And I've seen him out of shape before. It was the 15-16 Chelsea season when he came in pretty out of shape. And um, not just him, 
Yo, he doesn't. He doesn't just look out of shape. He he blatantly looks overweight. Yeah, yeah, came out of shape and and I guess tried to play his way into the shape during the season and and, and was pretty bad. At least that season was pretty bad until like the last couple of months. I hope that's not what happens with Madrid because that is not gonna fly with the fans there. Um, yeah, too many kebabs, yeah, man. That'll yeah, do but it. very interesting that it, this also happened four years ago, and he was all fit and ready by the end of the season four years ago right before the Euros and was good in the Euros for Belgium that season so uh, I hope that he's not just going to kind of you know wait until the last like three months of the season this time to get in shape just so he can be ready for the Euros but (laughs) I mean Belgium have a good chance um, when it comes to that competition but that's another almost year down the road but yeah I'm going to have to agree with you this game was very weird um, there weren't many chances uh, from either team. I think you missed the best chance of the game in the second half, which was Benzema's header, uh, which Oblak saved incredibly. Um, but after the game, he said something along the lines of, yeah, that was a that was a pretty standard save. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are on about. So um, he is one of the best shot stoppers in the world, no doubt about it, um, up there with Ter Stegen, uh, in my opinion. And so, but yeah, out- outside of that chance, the other chance that came to mind on Atleti's end um, was the Jao Felix miss yeah, in, in yeah, the first definitely. half, uh, where he was through in an on on goal, um, and Sergio Ramos, obviously Ramos, sorry, not Ramos, um, he was just slow off the bat, and Jao Felix being quicker, um, he just fluffed it a little bit. But yeah, it. <sighs> I don't really know what to make of this game other than pointing out some specific individual performances. So, obviously for Atletico, we'll start on their end. They didn't have Murata, who had received a red card in the previous game um, and was suspended for this game. So, it was Jao Felix and Diego Costa up top. And those two haven't really played too much together outside of preseason. And so, it was kind of cagey to see how they would gel. And Diego Costa, obviously not being as fast as Jao Felix kind of played in behind slash off the shoulder of Jao Felix and tried to support him more than anything. But the thing is, Diego Costa is not like a supporting player. You know what I mean? Like he's a physical striker that bodies people off the ball. And it should almost be the other way around. And so I think those two roles needed to sort of shift in the game. And we saw it at times, but overall, that sort of chemistry really wasn't there too much in my opinion. Um... But if you look at pretty much everything behind the Atletico front line, I mean, man, you, I mean, I texted you or you texted me in the middle of the game about Thomas Partey. Like he was all over the place for Atletico. What did you think of his performance? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't get to that. I've never really watched more than maybe a couple of games of him. He's just awesome. He's just freaking awesome dude he, he was all over the pitch um i mean not just being able to win the ball with people but he was every time he was looking to switch play and get it out to trippier he was doing a great job of feeding trippier um and, and that's where i think they found a lot of the joy is on that right side there with uh kieran trippier um Parto was just all over the field, just winning tackles and playing great balls, too. Um, he played very well for them in the Champions League uh, yesterday, too. He's, I mean, that's the type of guy that, like, that a Manchester United need. That's the exact type of player they need. Someone like that, he would, you know, obviously don't, don't want to try to pull all the La Liga players away and, and into the Premier League. I would, love to see, <laughs> I would love to see him in the Premier League, but... 
I think he would fit the Premier League very well, but he's just he is just a beast. He was he was like um remind me of Michael Essien a lot. Um but 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 better, That's a little on the nose, but again, that's not a my yeah, yeah, granted, <laughs> granted, they're both Ghanaian. They're both Ghanaian <laughs> holding names. But yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> no, but but no, they, yeah, they are slightly different. I think Partey is better um, on the ball, but but in terms of like his physicality and, and the, he's able to run with the ball and and he really bossed the midfield there. I thought he thoroughly outplayed Casemiro uh, and, and Cruz, and he I thought he was the best player on the pitch for either team. Um, it was a joy, an absolute joy to watch in that game. He, I mean, he, even even when I went and rewatched the second half, he was he was so all over the place. He was so everywhere. So he was, I mean, people should really, really get a chance to watch Atletico Madrid for him too when you get a chance. For sure, for sure, I was very impressed with his performance, and I think the major takeaway from this is that. I think Simeone can look at Partey now and say you're somewhat of a replacement for Rodri in the natural way, right? Like they're very, they're very, their play style is very similar, and it pretty much involves linking play and running forward, and both of them do that very well. And I think Partey next to Saul and maybe Koke or Vitolo, um, depending on you know who's kind of been better form um, and what Simeone wants out of the opposition um, or playing in playing the opposition then I think you actually have a, a good replacement in Thomas Partey. So I was very happy to see that on, on their end. Obviously, it does scare me as a little bit as a Barcelona fan, but I'm impressed with, with his performance. Um, moving on to the Real Madrid side of things, um, no one really impressed me. I'm not going to lie. Like uh, the old, Okay, I will say once Luka Modric came on in the second half, they did... They, they started to become more dominant on the ball, and they started to possessed the ball better they started to move it forward better they got more opportunities out of it we saw it with the Benzema chance obviously and so I think he changed the game a little bit but there's the one player I want to address even more is Eden Hazard man like forget about the fact that he's overweight and he needs to step up because they bought him for a lot of money um correct me if I'm wrong and I have a feeling you're going to disagree with me but I honestly think this is the first time in Eden Hazard's career that he's, A, faced any type of legitimate pressure, and B, I think last year was the only year in his career that he truly put up elite numbers. Do you, do you agree or disagree with me? So, I, I th- uh, for the first one, I would agree yes the first question in terms of pressure um and he said it himself he said it himself that, that there was more pressure at at uh, real madrid um the first one yeah I, I think i think personally him he was under less pressure at chelsea because i think the managers always <laughs> forwarded the brunt of the pressure at chelsea um more than the players did as you as you see, what you saw with like what was it like thirteen managers in nine years, you know. So obviously the managers were were holding a lot of the pressure at Chelsea, um, right? And then, I, I mean, you'll probably surprised. I, I agree with you. I agree with you in terms of um, the first year you put up elite numbers. I I have always thought that I always, I've always thought that he could the numbers that he put up last year. I've always thought the last four to five years when he was at Chelsea I was like he like when he did it last season I was like he 
could do this every single season if he wants to. Like he, I, I, he should be putting these numbers up every season because one, he has the quality to finish, to be a good finisher, and and um, especially at Chelsea, he always had, he always took the penalties and stuff, so he'd always have an opportunity for goals and stuff. But he's also so unselfish. He's also such a great creator. That's why he loved playing with guys like uh, Giroud. Um, that's why he loves playing with Benzema, you know, strikers that he can do these one twos with and feed them, and, and you know, they'll feed it back and all that stuff. Um, yeah, last season was the first time that he scored over 15 goals. I, 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 I think, I personally think his best season at Chelsea actually was um, the first season with Conte, even though that wasn't the season he put up his best numbers. But uh, that was personally his best season because I, I think he's, I think he's actually. Uh, I actually think that that when he gets the freedom to go inside and outside to be the number ten and also go under the wing and stuff, that that's really when he's at his most dangerous. But um, no, you're, I, I actually think you're right. Um, he, he's never put up twenty goals in a league season before. Um, I've always thought that he should get he should be getting at least fifteen goals a season from his position, and probably should be getting like. 25 to 30 goals um overall in all competitions and and last year was really the first season that he that he did something like that and that was because he was relied upon completely on that Chelsea team there was there was so little um attacking uh cojones really from from um anyone else on the team um but yeah, I, I don't think it would be crazy for you to say that and and we talked about this in the summer I the I I love that man. I love him. I, I I don't have any problem with like with him leaving, or he, there was no beef with when he, how he left or anything like that. So I I was worried a little bit for him that he would go into this and Madrid fans would look at him and say, "You are supposed to be Ronaldo's replacement. You are our new Ronaldo." Because that's not who he is. He's not cristiano ronaldo no one is cristiano ronaldo in terms of like the only person that can match cristiano ronaldo's competitive spirit is Lionel messi that's pretty much it in terms of attacking players at least i guess um but no one can match his hung that hunger for goals like hazard has never been that type of player he actually was said many times he doesn't he doesn't care that much about shooting. That's that's that was the thing that that was like the only thing about him that I thought that that was like, damn, I really wish he would just shoot more, dude. And, and then he did his last season with Chelsea, and that's what they're gonna want from him at, at Madrid because he he kind of brought this on himself to taking the number seven. I was very I was very worried for him when he took that number. I was like, really? Wow, you're gonna take Ronaldo's number immediately. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it just right now it looks like he's it in that game against Atletico. There were multiple times when he got the ball on the left wing, just outside the eighteen, and every time, and, and I was like, and I watched, and I was like, oh, he's gonna take him on. He's gonna take on the the uh, he's gonna take on Trippier here or, or whoever it was coming out to um, close him down, and he just didn't. And I don't, and I was really disappointed by that. Um, that's what I was really like. What is going on with him? Um, is it that he's just not fit? Because I've, I've seen him take the ball there, and his first thought is go to the byline and, and try to either cross it or create a chance for himself. And he and he hasn't been doing that. And and I feel like the he's actually 
being given somewhat of a free pass for at least the first month and a half here or so. Um, it doesn't seem like they've turned on him yet, but I, I think realistically, not yet. I think realistically, he's got another month, month and a half before they're ready to turn him. I, I would say if if we get back from the international break and he's seemingly not producing, then. They're gonna, they're gonna. He's gonna hear the whistles. They whistled Cristiano Ronaldo, so they are, the Real Madrid fans are not beneath whistling anyone. If they did it to Ronaldo, <laughs> they'll do it to Hazard in a fucking heartbeat, <laughs> dude. It's it. So that that's where I am. Oh, without that's a where doubt. I am with Eden Hazard in that. In that. To answer your questions. Yeah. No, you did. You did answer the question. That's kind of what I wanted to to point out. Is that. You, you mentioned one key thing is that Hazard's not a replacement for Ronaldo. Ronaldo's gone, and Madrid fans need to accept that, right? In the same way that Messi in a couple of years will be gone, Barcelona fans will have to accept that. Ronaldo's not there, and Hazard's not there to replace him. Granted, he took the number seven, but it's purely symbolic. They're very different players. And I think that you need to realize, if you're a real Madrid fan, that Hazard's there to do a very different role. He's not the goal scorer that he... Basically, what I'm saying is that the goals and the numbers that he put up, and this is why I asked you the question um, that I just did about his goal scoring record last season. The goals that he put up last season is not consistency. That was an anomaly, frankly. And so you need to look at that and say that's his potential, but that's not what we're likely to always get out of him. Because you have a Benzema, you have a Bale, you have a Vinicius to do that job. Granted, where they are in form is different, but the point still stands. And so I don't think Hazard's that player. I think he can service them. But yeah, I think maybe in a couple weeks' time, if this still continues, Real Madrid fans, and especially Zidane, will have to rethink how they're going to structure this team, um, slash restructure their objectives and, I guess, their their goals for Hazard specifically. Yeah, yeah, I, it's... And it's really disappointing because you know I, I do have so much love for for Eden Hazard and I, and I want to see him succeed because I really do believe that he has the quality to be behind you know, behind Messi and Ronaldo. He has a quality to be in that that top five in the world and and I want to see it and and I think he reached that point last season. I think he proved that he's in one of the five best players um, in the world last season at Chelsea. And then, you know, that's part of the reason why he got that um, move. And, you know, to see him being so timid, especially early, because he's, he's someone who has massive confidence, too. It's not, it's not he's, like, lacking confidence. But um, I expect more out of him. I expect more out of him, and I, and I want to see him do well. Right, so it's a very hard dichotomy, dude, between um, wanting to see Thibaut Courtois get scored on with every shot. <laughs> And, and, and but yet also wanting to see Hazard do well, so you know it's it's a tough one. You know if every game could end seven two and and um, <laughs> and Hazard scoring the two goals, I would that would be perfect for me. Dude, seven six, why not? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, just have him score six goals a game and and Courtois unable to get those very long long giraffe legs, you know, down. <laughs> It is so funny how Chelsea fans turn so quickly on Courtois. Same with Atletico fans. And it's it's like he had like three girls that he could have potentially been with. And he just chose the wrong one out of the three. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like one of them he dated for a bit. And, um, you know, 
he he had he had no choice but to go back with Chelsea, who was his long, who was his high school girlfriend, and, and they had a lot of history with her stuff. And then and then basically threw the middle finger at them and uh, said, you know, what? I'm gonna screw you over, and also I'm gonna date your the first girlfriend's best friend. So, or sorry, most hated rivals. Actually, it's much better. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna date gonna date the person that hates that first girlfriend, which is going back to Real Madrid. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly, literally, exactly. That's the perfect analogy. All right. Well, the Madrid derby ended zero zero, and honestly, the winner out of all of that uh, probably Barcelona in terms of points at the table. Although Real Madrid still are in first place at the top of the table, that very well may change this coming weekend as Barcelona go away to Sevilla. Not a very easy place to go to but before that they went to Getafe and this was their first away win since April of this past year that is really bad <laughs> like really, <laughs> <say>. really, <laughs> yeah that is terrible and so I mean it was good to see them get the win granted again because Valverde is the coach they played very lethargically for a good portion of the first half then the second half they started to come alive a little bit but it really it just was not great performance like there was nothing in this that stood out to me there's no specific player that I would say had a great game overall other than no actually no that's where I end that sentence there's no one in particular that had really like a shining game um so, honestly, the only thing that I took away from this is that Suarez somehow keeps proving me wrong in in some way, right? Like, I've been the biggest advocate of benching him and playing a messy Griezmann-Dembele uh, forward line. Granted, two of the three of them were not playing this game. Um, but uh, this man's just... For the last couple of games, he's scored and he's done well when needed. Yeah, he's continuing to prove you wrong. He's continuing to prove me wrong, but I said this. I don't know if I said this to you offline as well, but he is the best striker in the world right now when it comes to scoring goals while standing in a single position. If that man doesn't have to move, don't move him around more than six to seven yards, he will guaranteed score a goal. But if you ask him to run, and you ask him to, to do stuff and press, oh my god, his first touch is worse than Lukaku's. It's terrifying. It's I can't stand to watch it because I know the ball is going to get lost. And so all I can ask Suarez going forward, especially into the Sanchez-Pichuan this weekend, if you can just stay at the, the top of the 18 around that area and whenever Leo just puts in balls for you, just knock those home. Don't don't worry about pressing. Let Frankie do that. Let other people do that. Yeah, just don't run. That's my advice. <laughs> well, that's Savi. He's basically just going to keep um I don't even know how are they how are they making this work right now, dude? You have to explain to me. Well, they're, they're <laughs> frankly they're not. And I think Griezmann is starting to feel the effects of being a left winger in this team because he's not a left winger and I think a lot of people are starting to get concerned. I personally am not concerned about his performances, but I I get it, right? He's someone that produces consistently when he has the freedom to roam. And right now, this is the Lionel Messi and the Luis Suarez show, and he doesn't have the ability to roam free because that's not the job that he's been given in this team. So in that sense, I'm a little bit worried. Like, for example, go back to the Real Batiste game when they won 5-2. Um... He he was he was outstanding 
because he was the forward that played in pretty much like a false nine slash number 10 role. And, well, look what happened. He scored, what, like two goals and played very, very well. That's what happens when you put him in the right position that he deserves. But right now he's not playing that position. And I think he can adapt, but... I don't want to see him sacrifice a lot of what he can do as a player to adapt to that because I think he should be starting over Suarez in the middle still. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Um, yeah, I, I I still feel that that's you know that's the way going forward is obviously um, it's Griezmann in the middle. But if Suarez is going to keep scoring, then you know, it's Griezmann, tough, right? Yeah, it's going to be it's impossible. <laughs> Suarez scoring and being best friends with Messi, it's very tough to take him out. So exactly, exactly. So I'm not expecting anything to quite frankly change drastically in the next couple of weeks. But if they had to, that would be my ideal scenario. So, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. The only other thing that I would point out about this game is that Clement Longley picked up the dumbest of second yellow cards, and so we're down to one starting defender at uh, at away at Sevilla this upcoming weekend. So if you see me um, shitting bricks for 90 minutes on Sunday, yeah, it'll be both because of the Eagles game and because I know that we're not going to be able to defend for a full 90 minutes. Granted, I do like our, our backup, um, uh, Jean-Claire Tadibo amazing player he showed real real quality in preseason and he's been in the senior squad technically since last year um, but he's very young capable center back and I'm excited to see him finally get some minutes at uh, Sevilla this weekend I just hope that if you know there are defensive lapses that he's not terribly punished because of it because it would be his first start all season so that's fair yeah um yeah, this team. This team, I think, is still a long way from being able, from uh, I guess its final form, um, for lack of a better term. Um, and you know, I, I do. You, do you feel like they figured out the central three? You feel like they figured out the midfield three, right? I think I think they figured out the midfield three, and we'll talk about the intergame next week on that podcast. But we saw how that worked um, a little bit today. Um, and sort of the pros and cons of that. But I'm very convinced with a Frankie de Jong, Artur, and Busquets midfield, um, with Vidal being the potential change in that midfield somewhere. Um, but de Jong and Artur offer incredible control, and I'm very, very pleased with that. They're able to play through the press. They played very, very well in the last couple of weeks together, and they're starting to understand each other, and I'm very excited by that partnership over the course of what could be the next, like, eight years. Um, and so I, I'm looking forward to what, what those two can produce, um, especially when it comes to linking up with Messi. I can't, I can't wait to see that even more. Well, so long season, so I guess what are we moving on to next? Lead me on your, on your tour, Elias. <laughs> the tour. Let's do a quick tour of La Liga. Well, I did talk briefly about Villarreal and how they beat 
Real Betis 5-1. But that is a huge game for them just because of the fact that their season last season was absolutely terrible. They finished in the bottom half half of the table. And to see them rebound into the league like this, even this past year this season they haven't started off that well but to get a 5-1 win against a capable side in Real Batiste is a very very good result to them so shout out to them shout out to the GOAT Santi Cazorla scored a penalty as well and scored in the last game against Barcelona he is I can't stress enough how huge of a comeback this is for him and I'm more than happy to see someone who's gone through a lot of personal injuries and a lot of personal issues to bounce back the way that he has so shout out Villarreal Love you guys. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, um, yeah, shout out Gerard, Gerard Moreno too, leading goal scorer in La exactly. Liga, um, sitting with six goals. Also sitting with second highest expected goals in the league too. So that's he's, he's putting himself into pretty good areas too. So I mean, he's also getting set up very well too, which is also important for sure. And Gerard Moreno was one of their standout players last season, despite the fact that they did finish so poorly. And so glad to see him continuing on that run of form as yeah, well. They've got the highest, the they're, next, they're the leading, sorry, just cut you off. They have the leading goal scorer and assist leader in the league. So, you know, with Santi Cazorla. Is so. that, is that also Santi yes, Cazorla? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So again, it guess it just goes to show where they are from, you know, this season compared to last, but now can I move on with your permission? Yes, yes. I now I'll give you my permission to to now I'll give you my permission to die, like as Bane said. But uh, but <laughs> no, now you have my permission. Yeah, yeah. This is not your tour, buddy. All right. Um, on to the next game outside of the big three, Espanol Valladolid. While a lot of people don't know about Real Valladolid, some people might know about Espanol, but. They're taking massive L's right now. I can't remember the last game they won, let alone played well. And I think a lot of people are picking their manager, David Gallego, to to be the next manager sacked in La Liga. They have not put up good results at home, away. And the quality, quality of their team and their football is drastically worse um, from this year compared to last year. Obviously, their manager left in the summer, moved on, and so actually to, to Real Batis. And and so they're going through a lot of changes, and I think a lot of people would not be surprised to see David Gallego not continue um, in the next couple of weeks at Espanol, especially. I, I actually don't know when the... Catalan Derby is um, between Barcelona and Espanyol. Actually, we'll look that up right now because I believe it's in the next month. Um, I lied. It is not until January. So <laughs> we'll have to wait until January for that, so where they will likely have a new coach. But yeah, Espanyol, and it warms my heart to say this, are just not doing that well. Yeah, so tough. That was my they're, update. Yeah, they're sitting second lowest expected goals in the league here. That's not going to help you win many matches. <laughs> um Tough, yeah, very tough. Man. Yeah, exactly. And the last game, which I have a fun fact about this, but was my favorite game of the weekend by far. Sevilla Real Sociedad was one of the most entertaining games of the season in all of the major top leagues, in my opinion. So this game started off with Real Sociedad jumping up, uh, jumping out to an early lead. And then it was just back and forth. Sevilla eventually crawled their way back to a 3-1 lead before Porto um, grabbed a late goal for Real Sociedad in about the 86-87th minute. And from there till the end, it was just an open game the entire time. And I know, 
I know you want to shout out Martin Odegaard, but before I do that, I want to point out the irony in Spanish TV and Spanish commentary. So basically, whenever the Spanish League is on over the weekends, they schedule specific TV shows, um, like late night shows for Spanish commentary and things like that on football um, based around the major games. And so because the Madrid Derby was on a Saturday night, they scheduled their shows to be on Saturday night. And because of that, they missed literally the most entertaining game of the entire week or the entire weekend because they scheduled it around the top one of the two of the top three teams. And that's it just goes to show what can happen in La Liga. And that's how entertaining it was. They would have had a lot more to talk about if they scheduled it on Sunday, which is when they normally schedule things, because that's when the whole weekend weekend's worth of games finish. But. Man, La Liga is not boring and it is not uncompetitive. Incompetitive? Uncompetitive? Uncompetitive. Not competitive. Yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got, you're trying to say it's got some parody. Yeah, yeah. You know what you're saying? It's got some parody. No, that's true. Um, I have to talk about Odegaard. Wow. Man, man, okay, man, you, can, man. you can go on your Odegaard so, rant. So good. Oh, man. Not, even if you don't, even if you don't have to watch this game, go to last Thursday. His assist against Alaves when he megs that and plays a ball that doesn't even make sense when you watch it. it everyone, it seems like it's literally an impossible pass for him. And he splits. He basically gets like three splits in a row, puts it through like six people. No, not their legs, but gets it through six defenders and right onto, uh, right onto the goal scorer's feet. And oh my gosh, he's, and he's just been fantastic. He, he's, he's, Obviously, everyone grows. Um, everyone grows at different at different rates, um, which has always been like my slight problem. Not to get too off tangent, not to get uh, too like non sequitur here. It's always been my my little um, problem with Tottenham because you know when you have all, so many young players, you can't expect them to all grow at the same rate because that just doesn't happen. Because you have then you have yourself like Serge Gnabry who didn't really turn into this player until the last two or three years, and then. And Odegaard, he's still only 20, but you know, this is his breakout season for sure. Um, he's, he's just been fantastic. And, and I believe you said he's there for two seasons. This is just the first of his two-season loan, correct? That's correct. And I think he made the perfect decision doing that because, well, think about it this way. Real Madrid have how many number 10s in their team? And Isco and James and, gosh, a lot and of people. I still can't even get onto the field role. right now. Isco can't get it all. Yeah, exa- that's my point. So where would Odegaard fit? Odegaard, for me, would start in this Real Madrid midfield. But irrespective of that, uh, I, just in terms of names and the people in front of him, yeah, he's probably not going to play that much. But he's playing every weekend at Real Sociedad and growing. Why wouldn't he want to stay for two years there? Yeah, no. Just interested to harp on more of the Alaves game. Odegaard, Martin Odegaard had 10 key passes in that game. That is fucking ridiculous <laughs> that is like, unreal 10 key passes in one game okay, the best way is get like four <laughs> he went up 10 in a game he's he's doing it's been a perfect fit for him um obviously his dream will still be to play for real madrid so th- so these two seasons will be will be great for him um and you wonder you know if Real Madrid reevaluate in the summer when they're looking at the number 10s that they have and they're thinking about what to do with Isco and Hamas and 
you know, um, figure out what they're doing with that. What if they're if they'll pay a premium to to get Odegaard back? I mean, yeah, yeah. I I don't know how that's going to work out because in two years, Real Madrid are probably going to be a very different team, and it's probably not going to be the same manager at that as well. So. I'm very, very curious as to how Odegaard fits into their plans because he could seriously be a, along with like Frankie de Jong, like top, top midfielders in the world for a very, very long time. Um, and And I would hope to see that because I love seeing that type of quality played at a high level, regardless of the team almost. Um, so it's honestly it's it's up to him. He kind of his he's put himself in a position to decide decide his future and essentially has opened the book to a team that wants to maybe come get him assuming that Real Madrid are willing to let him go and I'm not so sure that they're going to be even if they don't really play him that much once he gets back from loan. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, but I guess last thing about this game, the Sevilla Real Sociedad game, is that this was this was big for Julian Lopetegui too because around the last the same time last season, he was in a bit of a hole, and I think the Real Madrid fans are starting to get on his back between now and last season's first Clasico, which was in November, and it, it was almost textbook because last year he lost against Sevilla with Real Madrid at Sevilla. And that's almost what started his spiral and his downfall. And now, as the Sevilla manager against a different team in Real Sociedad, he is able to pull out the win at the end. And now he continues on his fruitful and successful, somewhat successful journey as Sevilla manager thus far. So it's very interesting how that comes uh, full circle in a year. Yeah, it really is. He, he's had a very interesting last couple of years in terms of managerial um, stops. You know, being with Spain for like a cup of coffee and and a hot, then, hot sec, and then and then a cup of coffee, and then same, yeah. same with Real Madrid for what a few months, and then yeah. So he's had a very interesting year, year and a half um, as a manager. He dabbles. <laughs> That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that essentially wraps up the major games in La Liga from this weekend. Um, glad that we could give you guys a little bit of perspective from some of the other teams in La Liga outside of the big name three. So with that, we're going to wrap things up with one quick announcement. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the overlap underscore pod. And we will go ahead and you know what? We'll tweet you. Why not? If you if you follow us, we will give you a shout out on Twitter. How's that sound, Rian? Um, yeah, how, about, how about this? If you if you mention us, I'll reply to your tweets. I'm going to shout out every one of you. All right. But but uh, I should also mention that that we are also now on Facebook. Um, that's where we'll be. Po- we'll be posting our, our links, links to our episodes up there so you know if you're not someone who's on twitter you can always check on facebook too to see if we've got a new um episode up so yeah and outside of that um Elias, I, as soon as we finish up here i will be taking a look at that diego maradona um documentary because i am very excited to watch that yeah, I, I actually totally forgot to, to text you about that. I was going to tell you, apparently it's very, very good. I didn't get a chance to watch it last night, but it is apparently within the first like five minutes, people were just hooked on it. So 
I um, I can't wait to um, to take a look at that as well. And um, in terms of the the Facebook page, I'm pretty sure you made that while we were recording. So uh, we'll we'll be having a brief conversation about that. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with that, guys. We will talk to you guys next week with a review of the Champions League games from this week, and we will talk to you guys then. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys.